Well, welcome this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. I just overwhelmed by the song we just finished up with, uh, Jesus is our champion. And uh, what a beautiful song for this time and this season that we're in. And to be reminded that we are seated in heavenly places and that we have been given an authority. And, and then, of course, to really know and understand that we are who he says that we are. I know many people struggle with that. Uh, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we really begin to make our determinations. But I, I just hope maybe by the end of today that we could really realize that you are who he says you are and you have uh, been seated in heavenly places and uh, we've been given an authority because Jesus is our and the champion. So welcome this morning. It's just so good to have everybody with us and to be able to get together in this means. I mean, this is uh, for such a crazy time. This is such a beautiful opportunity to be able to connect like this. And I'm so glad that you joined us and look forward to seeing the anointing come on his word, even within our own homes today. So as we get into this, I, I've been thinking this uh, past week that you know, we, we're seeing life in, in its highest point of fragility. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've never uh, seen anything like this. We have America, of all places, has been shut down really in a matter of about two weeks. And uh, we're seeing things mandated to us. We're seeing stay-at-home orders. We're seeing all of these things that have just come right down the pike on us. And, uh, you know, there, there's just so much uncertainty right now. Uh, in the world that we live in, but I thank God that we have a more certain place, we have a more certain kingdom that we're a part of that says when everything else shakes, it will remain unshakable. That's where God wants us, and this morning as we begin to look into the Word, I want to be able to hopefully let us see how God has spoken to us so that we might stand strong in this and in any season that we ever face. And so it's going to be a hopefully an encouraging word for all of us and take us to a new level and plan and help us plan and prepare uh, to be right in alignment with what God is saying in our, in our day and in our season. Uh, we've, we, we were challenged the other day <clears throat> with the verse out of Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. So let me just read that as a point of remembrance, but it also ties in uh, with this. Uh, he says this in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. <clears throat> it says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and you doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Man, what a powerful portion of Scripture, and I, I hope that's what we're doing today. I have another Scripture that I want to start today's sermon with, and then we're going to look into the book of Ephesians. So if you have maybe a paper Bible, that would be helpful, and maybe even a piece of paper and a pencil to write down some thoughts and notes and so forth. Uh, and uh, my thinking is, is what what might be God saying at this time? What might God be saying at this time? If you would look at Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 19. Isaiah 43, 19. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Another translation says, Behold, I will do a fresh thing. And now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? 
<laughs> I will even make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Man, what a powerful promise. And the, the whole idea is, will you not even know it? The word know it there, it means to be intimately connected to this new thing that he's going to be doing. It means literally to be fully aware of it. So in other words, we're not uh, as those that walk in night and in the darkness, but <clears throat> he calls us the children of light. And so as we move forward today, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament, just shortly after the Gospels, toward the beginning of the New Testament. And uh, let's go to chapter one, and I'd like to just kind of give you an overview quickly, and then I want to just go through some verses that I think will be very helpful and very life-changing for us today. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into the word. Father, I thank you today that your, your word was given by inspiration, and we understand it by inspiration. So today, God, allow your Holy Spirit to just enter into uh, where we all are, in our very homes, and just allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten our understanding and to help us to glean some stuff today for, for uh, Lord, for living. And I thank you for everybody watching, and just pray blessing and favor now over each home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when we look at Ephesians, I'll just give you a little bit of an overview here of the first chapter. Uh, we're going to see in this, what, what is the hope of God's calling? Paul doesn't take long before he dives pretty deep into this, and we're going to see it in just a moment, which Paul was like that. He was uh, very scholarly, and, and he's very forthright, and, and I think he understood that the time was short. And so he just dives in completely deep in this very first chapter. But what is the hope of God's calling? Secondly, what are the glorious riches of God's inheritance that he says is in the saints? And then thirdly, what is God's great power toward those who believe? What is the power toward those that believe? And so let's start. We're going to jump down to verse 3, and we'll read it and make a few comments. And then we're going to just work our way through these uh, next several verses, again, I, I found them very inspiring uh, as I reviewed and went over and researched them, and just it's a powerful thing. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in other words, Paul is calling us up now. He says, you are blessed, but you're blessed with these spiritual blessings. And he's calling us up now to look above the natural blessing. And I know that there's lots of natural blessings in the kingdom of God for believers. Many of us have experienced that in our journey. But he's taking us a little bit higher. He says, there's some spiritual blessings that I don't want you to miss because there's a heavenly resource that comes from above that he has provided for each one of us. Spurgeon says, uh, Charles Spurgeon says this about the blessings. And let me just read what he wrote. He says, a new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being an heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed infinitely more 
blessed than to own broad acres of land. God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are rarest, the richest, and the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. And I think he's again shifting our thinking to natural earthly blessing to go higher. And we're going to see that as we go through this chapter. Now look at this here. He goes on to say this, if we have no appreciation for spiritual blessing, then we live at the level of animals. Animals live only to eat, sleep, entertain themselves, and to reproduce. And we are made in the image of God, and he has something much higher for us Yet many choose to live at the level of animals. God wants us to know every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And so in other words, he's really wanting to pull us further into thinking more spiritually than naturally. It's just so easy to get all the promises of God in the Bible about his provision and his healing. And and although those things are amazing, there's something much greater at stake here that if we would focus on and we would understand, he said he would take care of those other things. And and so that's what we want to look at today. Verse uh, 4 and 5 says this here, just as he has chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself, what according to the good pleasure of his will. So God has a plan that goes beyond just your salvation. And he actually has a plan that goes far beyond just your personal transformation, even though those seem to be the two things that we we do focus a lot on. But he's after you stepping into this heavenly, spiritual, warm, confident relationship with him while you're still here on earth. He's not waiting for you to get to heaven to have that. And yet again, so many times it's so easy to look at life and just to try to survive it and to be a good person and to be a good believer and serve and give and and all those things are good. But yet again, Paul's taking us deep here today. He's saying, no, I have something more in mind. In the Roman law, the whole idea of adoption was that the person actually literally become a son with all of the benefits and all the rights of a son and actually completely lost all rights to his other family or to his past or to whether it be bills or whatever it was. And when I studied that whole idea of what adoption meant back in the Roman era when this was written, I kind of began to realize, wow, Man, it's just like us with our salvation. You know, God comes to us and he literally cuts off the old completely. All the debt, all that we owed, everything, he cuts it off and he gives us this brand new heritage, this new name, he says. And, and when we talk about water baptism, it's, it's taking on the name of Christ. And, and we get all these benefits of the adoption, which I think is so powerful. And and I think that's good for us to know because rootlessness is one of the things that many people are concerned with. Who who am I, you know, who who am I connected to? Who am I out of? Who is my father? Who is my mother? And here we have this clear statement concerning that. So we're adopted in to 
Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says this here, now to the praise and to the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now I found it interesting in verse 6 here, the, 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 the word that jumped out at me was the word accepted. And that word literally means charming and lovely. Charming and lovely. He has made you charming and lovely in His sight. And again, we, we wrestle sometimes with what we're like and what we were like. But God's just saying, no, I'm pulling you all the way in completely. I give you a complete adoption rights as a son and a daughter of mine with all the privileges and all the benefits and I have made you charming, and I've made you lovely. That's something some of us need to step up to in terms of our daily lifestyle, isn't it? Just how can I be that way if I'm going to be like Christ? And verse 7, he goes on to say, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and in prudence. And in him we have redemption through his blood. Now many of us would know what that means and what he's referring to. It's a redeeming, but it literally meant a releasing affected by the payment of a ransom. The releasing affected by the payment of a ransom. And we know that Christ uh, paid for our debt. He took care of all of it. And I was kind of thinking when I read that definition of redemption that, uh, you know, there, there's what is going around now is called ransomware. And uh, some of you may know someone that's been through this, but basically it holds your computer hostage. And then they make you pay uh, to get your information back, to get your life back, to get your livelihood back, and they charge you for that. And that's really what Jesus did for us. We were sold into sin through Adam's sin, and we needed to be purchased back out. But none of us were able to do that. But Christ came at the appointed time to buy you back and to pull you out of that state of being in bondage to uh, the, the very uh, hater of your soul. And I, I just think, I thought that was very interesting and that that whole analogy of the ransomware is so true. It just locks everything up and you're just bound to it. There's nothing you can really do about it, they say, other than to pay. And so as we realize that, we have redemption through His blood. Uh, verse 9, he goes on to say this, "...having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in us." Now, when we think about this, we, we sometimes don't recognize that throughout the entire Old Testament, uh, they had no idea about what this mystery was. They knew there was a mystery, but they didn't know what it was. And even when Jesus walked on the earth, He literally said things in parables. And, and He kept things a mystery from certain people. Uh, and so, as we think about this here, He made known to us, now we can know this. They couldn't know it before, but now today, according to what Paul's saying here, we can know the mystery of His will. Because whether you maybe understand it or not, God is on a mission. God's doing something. He's accomplishing something. This is not just a waste of time. This is not just a spinning our wheels. This isn't you know, a payment for Adam's sin. This is basically God's plan on mission. Now listen to Matthew Chapter 13 and verse 17 says, For assuredly I say to you, 
Many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. And, and, I, and I thought about that and I thought, wow, how, how sad would it be to know that these guys desired to see it and hear it, but couldn't. But yet he's saying today, he has made this known to us that we have the access to the mystery of his will so we can step in and be a part of what he's doing. And I, I thought about that would be, you know, that's only going to come as we spend time with him. As we spend time with him, he begins to unfold what that great mystery is, what that beautiful plan that he has is. Uh, it, it, was, it was such a beautiful plan that it was worth the price of him seeing his son hung on a cross and, and, and crucified like he was. But the plan was so amazing that it was willing, he was willing to pay that price for it, pay that price for you and I. Let's look at verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, in other words, just at the right time, everything is, is in God's strategy. Nothing's happening outside of his control. Sometimes you might feel like it's out of control, but nothing's happening out of God's control. He has a timetable. He has a strategy. And what he's saying in that the dispensation, the strategy, the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. And so that's in him that these things are happening. And so really, basically, if you're still here and he's not, his plan's still in operation. And that mystery he wants you and I to know as his sons and daughters. Why? Because we have the inheritance to fulfill what he's in the process of doing. Because he's given us that authority. And we'll see that in just a minute. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. We got this inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So he's got this amazing plan. It was a mystery for 4,000 years. In Christ, he unfolds the mystery. He opens it up and gives it to you and I, and we have this amazing opportunity to live in it. That's why, you know, you'll often hear people saying, even though it's a challenging day, we live in one of the greatest days uh, in history right now, even as we near the end of time, which we definitely are. Uh, things will not go on forever, but just at the right time, just at the right time, uh, he's going to uh, continue to see his plan unfold. Verse 13 says this here, and uh, it says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And now he's starting to unfold part of this mystery. It has to do with the Holy Spirit, has to do with your life, has to do with what's sealing you. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This wasn't new to the New Testament, but he promised this from even the very beginning. He promised that he was going to send his spirit. If you remember out of the book of Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it hadn't happened up to that point, but Joel was prophesying. So he's sealed with this Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, so there's an inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The whole idea and concept of seal denotes 
ownership and security. Ownership and security. If you remember maybe in the old days, the kings used to wear rings and they were called signet rings and they would have a wax seal. So they would write a letter, put it in an envelope and they would seal it with that ring and, and then they would send it off. And that was proof that this was from the king and it was him that wrote it. And that's what he's saying of you. That you were sealed with what? Not with a king's signet ring, but you were sealed with the king's Holy Spirit. And he's given us that spirit. That's why we talk so much about the Holy Spirit around here. Uh, because that's the day we're living in. He's the active agent in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, for us today to know and to love and to walk with. Let's look at verse 15 as we just move along here into this beautiful chapter. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers. Wow. I, when I read that, I, I got to admit, you know, I think you all know that we're, we try to be a praying church, praying leaders and, and so forth. But I, I felt a little convicted because as I researched it through, I, you know, this is the guy that also said, uh, hey, pray without ceasing uh, in First Thessalonians 5.17 and, and in other places. And he talks about in my prayers and, and my prayers are for you. And it just seemed like Paul was constantly praying uh, for people. And I just felt a new stirring in my heart that, wow, are we really praying like maybe we could for people? Are we, are we taking time and really praying and spending time in prayer uh, for people and for things and mentioning people's names in prayer and lifting them up and maybe even as the Holy Spirit prompts us through the middle of the day that we would stop and just say, Lord, just pray for for, for Bob and just, Lord, bless him today, whatever he might be facing, and just begin to, again, as Paul did. And, and Jesus drew away to prayer often also. And, and how are we utilizing prayer in our lives? Verse 17, this is so powerful right here. Listen to this here. Verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now let me just give you three quick definitions that I think completely explain this verse to us and show us the excitement in this verse. The word wisdom, give us the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is this, it's the supreme intelligence such as belongs to God. So in other words, he's saying uh, you can have this spirit of intelligence, the spirit of wisdom, of God's wisdom in God's mind. Remember at another point it says, hey, have the mind of Christ. Well, that's open to you and I, and to me that's a part of the mystery of God, that we would not be in secret and not know His will. We're sons and daughters, and we're in the household of faith, and we're a part of what He's doing, and, and we are actually what He's doing. And that we would be uh, uh, with the wisdom of God, or that supreme intelligence. The word revelation simply means, as many know, is just to make truth visible, to make truth visible visible. In other words, even when you read your Bible, you're not in ignorance, but your Bible begins to come alive to you, and you begin to uh, understand it like never before. It all of a sudden becomes truth. So, so he gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, what? In the knowledge of Him. Knowledge is simply a precise 
and correct understanding of truth. And I think today, as I look around on the landscape of even Christianity, I see a lot of people coming up with a lot of things out of the Bible that just aren't there. They're just not truth. And we see a lot of confusion in that. But Paul wanted us to come to a deeper, uh, more intimate, close, warm relationship with our Heavenly Father in a sustainable way no matter what we go through. And he wants to pull us there. Verse 18 is, and this is part of really his prayer, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Wow. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's important that to understand the word enlightened here means to, again, reveal, to illuminate, uh, to, to have your eyes open. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're not always asking uh, what God's doing, but we are from a personal revelation or illumination might be a better word for that. A more technical word would be an illumination or a lighting up of what God is saying and doing is in me. It's in me. It does bear witness with others. It's not to be just in me. But you know what I'm saying is that I'm not always just depending on what somebody else is saying, but God's literally saying it to me. In verse 19, we'll continue to read on here. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Uh, and, and, and the word power there is just fourth force and strength and dominion like we see in the book of Acts. It says, I, I, I want to give you power, which is dunamis, which is like a dynamite. I, I want to give you something that's beyond your natural power. I have this power for you. Verse 20, in which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of, in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's to let us know here that the enemy who was in control is no longer in control. He used to have dominion because remember he was, uh, he was over the earth. But from Christ forward, that all changed. Christ took the keys of death and hell. He took the authority of the enemy, and he, and he actually has given that authority to us. And this is what he's saying. He no longer calls the shots. Christ does. Verse 22, and he has put all, that means without exception, everything under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, speaking of us, the fullness of him who fills all at all, who fills everything. Uh, and, and one of the illustrations of this, and it kind of happened at the cross too, where he made a, a shameful look of the enemy openly. It's in those days, the king, if he would conquer a city, they would take the king and they would put him on the ground and the conquering king would put his foot on the neck of that king to show that he's taken all authority and all rights. And what a, what a model for what Christ did to the work of the enemy. He completely took away uh, all of his rights. I want to just uh, uh, wrap it up this morning with a couple thoughts as we close it out. Um, the, the, the Lord is through this whole chapter giving us 
the authority that we have, the position that we have. We're sons and daughters, and we're adopted uh, in Him. He's given us these things, and He's revealed these things to us, and He's shown us what we, uh, who we are, what authority we have, and how we can walk it out now. And that's part of the whole mystery. He's put the Spirit of God inside of us, and then He's empowered us with the knowledge and with the wisdom and with the understanding of God so that we might uh, go forward and fulfill and complete His plan for our lives. That's why it's just so important to not just be uh, a part of a church, but literally be the church. How do we become the church? And I want to just finish reading these last verse here. Uh, It says, And He put all things, everything, without exception, under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's an amazing thing happening on the planet today, especially as we near the end times. I I, I see uh, God's body coming together. He's transforming us. He's getting us positioned. He's preparing us with the power that we would understand it and not abuse it. We've seen abuses of power, uh, even in the giftings and the prophetic and so forth. But yet God's cleaning that all up and He's bringing us to a higher level of wisdom and maturity in Him so that we might see the fulfillment of His plan and purpose in and through our lives. I want to close this today with just by uh, maybe just challenging us up and in this arena. I think there's, uh, there's two things that uh, God would have us to do uh, and to consider. And the first one, and we see it, we saw it with Jonah, we see it with Jehoshaphat, we see it with Moses, we see it with Abraham, we see it with uh, Jacob and Isaac, all of the key players in the, in the Old Testament. What, the first thing we see them doing when they kind of get to this point of exhaustion is that they, uh, they come back to the Lord. They return to His presence. Remember, that's what Jonah was running from. And they did that by repentance and by turning their heart back toward Him. And i just take a break on this one just to say this here. Maybe you've never really asked Christ to come into your life. You're watching this somehow this morning, and you just not really stopped and experienced the power that comes when He enters into your life, takes your heart, gives you a brand new one, and totally saves you and changes you. It's an amazing thing. And, and maybe... Uh, Uh, this morning, you might make that decision. We're going to pray in just a minute, but you might make that decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. Let Him adopt you in. Let Him open up the eyes of your understanding. I mean, it'll be as clear as day. It'll be as clear as day, I I promise you, if you just step into that. And then the second thing after us just learning to repent, maybe just to see where God's speaking to us to call us back into His presence, would be uh, to build an altar for Him. That was the other thing that we see over and over in the Old Testament. They built an altar at every point when they had an encounter with God. And I would just say maybe the altar for us, and I'll give you three things that I have found that really works well uh, in my life, and maybe you can... Maybe you modify them a little bit and use them. But the first thing is that find a place. 
Find a place. What's the place that you have where you have a place where you go, hopefully, as much as possible every day just to spend some time with your father? He likes that place thing. I just find that. When I establish that, it seems like he's there quicker uh, when I go there in the mornings and I get myself out of bed or in the evenings before I go to bed. Just find that place. And then the second thing would be is uh, we know how important the Word of God is. And, and once you read it, as Paul was saying here, he wants to open up and give you the mind of Christ through that. He doesn't want it just to be a, something you did and got done through a devotional. But he wants you to literally begin to get revelation and see heaven and see what he's doing and understand who he is. Learn his voice through his word. And then the third thing would be we just need to pray more than ever before. We just have to pray. We can't just think about praying, can't just know that it's a good thing to do, but we need to pray, as Paul said, without ceasing. And I believe as we step into this uh, next season, once this whole uh, coronavirus issue is resolved and we can move forward and we can, uh, I just believe things could really spring open. And so we need to be prepared as a people. Hopefully we won't come out of this the way we went into it as believers, but through this connection and fresh connection with God, we can be new. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you this morning. If there's anybody listening that has not kind of crossed the line and stepped in to receive your adoption, your salvation, your redemption, God, today we pray for them uh, as believers. We pray put our prayers out today, even through the media system that we use here this morning. Your power is not slack or shortened. Let them experience a salvation from you, God. And we thank you that it is you that draws, you knock on the door of our hearts, and we open up. And God, for the rest of us, I pray that your word just begins to stir up some fresh stuff in each one of us like never before, God, that the power of God, Lord, that would begin to work in us as we read your word, as we hear your voice, as we walk with you, God, there'd be an amazing new relationship, there'd be an amazing new revelation, there'd be an amazing new understanding of the mystery of your will and what you're doing, and we could all be a part of it. And so, God, we thank you today for what you've done for us. And we just come to follow you and give you our whole heart today. We love you and bless you, Father, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us this morning. And I just pray, just read through that chapter again, maybe before the day's up, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. We're moving into one of the most amazing seasons in all of history. Nobody's ever seen a day like ours. We get to be a part of it. And and, and I'm so excited about that. And, And I am so excited about getting back together with everybody too. Love you guys. God bless you. Amen.